You've heard Jack Benny, Amos and Andy, Bergen and McCarthy. Still waiting to entertain you on CBS are Rocky Jordan, Horace Height, Dick Hames and Joe Stafford, our Miss Brooks, The Whistler, and Red Skelton. Now, Del Monte Foods brings you a world of adventure with... Rocky Jordan. Yeah, hold it, Simon. You don't belong inside the tambourine. Oh, but I do not come to beg, Fendi Jordan. If you will permit me but a moment... Oh, nothing doing. You know our agreement. You work the customers on the outside, I'll handle the ones in here. But what you do not understand, sir, I must speak with the gentleman who sits there with the young lady. Then wait for him outside. Now empty, Simon. Go on, beat it. Your command, sir, but if I do not see him, something most awful might happen. Something most awful... Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Yes, Del Monte, the best-liked brand of canned fruits and vegetables in the whole wide world, takes you now to the Cafe Tambourine in Cairo, gateway to the ancient East, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against a backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's Rocky Jordan story, The Beggar of Farrar. The afternoon had gone on without trouble in my tambourine till Simon the beggar, who worked the spot just outside my door, came in, trying hard to get to a man seated at the back table. I reminded him of our inside-outside agreement and chased him out. But I wondered what he was up to and turned my attention to the man at the table, the retired businessman type. And with him, a young woman, brunette, pretty and intense. Tourist, maybe, but I wasn't sure. They'd been coming in for several days, which was all right with me. And I saw that too much oh, argument Harry. was going on between God, them. tell me, Uncle Harry. Something's happened and I know now, it. Now, now, Carla, you mustn't concern yourself with this child. I am not a child. And it's time you stopped treating me like one. Stop it now, Carla. Oh, you said quite enough. It was I getting to be a sideshow, and I decided to step over and get them to hold it down. I was halfway to the table when here came Simon the beggar again. Defender Jordan, please, sir. Simon, I told you to stay outside. Now, once is enough. But I must see the good gentleman. It is important. Any place but here. Now, for the last time. Very well, Effendi. I am most sorry. Simon shuffled out again, and I turned to see the girl, red-faced and crying, heading for the door, too. That saved me another job. And when the man she'd been with got up and left a little later, I was ready to forget the whole thing. I did. For about five minutes. Then more trouble opened up back in the alley. It took me ten seconds to make it back through my office and another to get the door unlocked and swing it open. And there, standing numbly with a smoking gun in his hand, was Simon the beggar. He's dead. He's dead. The man is dead. I can see that, Simon. I throw down the gun. No, no. It is the gun that killed him. This poor innocent man. When you came in to talk to him in the cafe, I didn't think you wanted to kill him. Not I, Fendi Jordan. No, no. Not I, but another. Then who? Where is he? You're holding the gun. I could not kill. I, the humble beggar of Ferrar. I do not know the way of a gun. As Allah is my witness, oh, I... Oh, makes sense, will you, Simon? Tell me what happened. I told you, Effendi, in the cafe, I told you something terrible would happen, and now he is dead. You hear that? The police are coming. They'll get it out of you. Police? Oh! Simon! Simon, come back here! He had thrown the gun down and was running wildly down the alley. Something kept me from following just long enough, and as Simon rounded the corner into a side street, the police came piling in from the other way. I let them pick up the gun and held up with the answers till Captain Sam Sabaya arrived. 
After a while, we were in my office, and Sam was eyeing me across the desk. Now, once again, Jordan, you say the victim was in your cafe a short time ago, arguing with an attractive young lady. What was it about? We've been all over that, Sam. Jordan, I find it hard to believe that you could know so little. Look, if you're putting me on the grill... You know full well that I'm not accusing you. However... Oh. Hello, Miss Fenn. Mind if I come in? Why? Talk to you and talk to your client. I don't mind a situation like that. Come on in. We were having an aperitif. What's your taste? Nothing, thanks. Claire. Claire, honey. What? He doesn't want to sing. Who is he? Why don't you turn around and look? You'll see. Won't. It's from the police. They sent a fellow. The fellow who was with you when you fainted. And caught me in his arms. I'm going to turn. I'm turning. Hi. Hi. Thanks for catching me. Sure. It's been pleasant, but now she's a client, so what do you want? I want to know where your client was last month when she disappeared for two days. I never knew either. Claire? Yes? Answer the question. Which was? Where were you when you were gone those two days? Newport. She likes boats. She was in Newport. With Harry Kroger. Ask your question, Mr. Clover? Sure. You're pretty sure about everything, aren't you? Yeah. Claire. What? Those two days in Newport. What did you do? Teach him how to sail? He'd never seen a sailboat before. He was like a child. Now on, I'm going to listen and make notes. Janet. You're a dear friend. You met him. Wasn't he funny? Could hardly talk. <laughs> the way he talked. She's going to need help, isn't she, Mr. Clover? A whole lot. There's a history that goes with her. We'll get all that out and we'll find a way to help her. All I want to do is know for sure. Ask her. Did you kill Harry Kroger, Miss Scott? In July one night. You just go on and tell him. I was in the car. The car wouldn't start. And he leaned in through the window and he grinned. That's the first time you saw him. I'm not drunk now. Go on. And he started my car. And he was a puppy and... A baby, and he'd never seen a sailboat. So, I took him where there were a lot of them. Oddly, I'm Sir Hubert Ludley. Uh, glad to meet you, Sir Hubert. Oh, it's just a title, Governor. Sounds nice to the carriage trade, it does. Uh, get me Kunan, huh? Oh, Kunan the Great's busy with a client at the moment, he is. But if you care to wait now, Governor. Thanks, I'll do that. It gave me a chance to look the place over. A good hangout for the Pharaoh's ghosts. Filled with ancient symbolic statues, meaningless charts, and duplicates in stone of the great pyramids of Giza. I just sat down in an uncomfortable chair when a door flew open, and out walked the pretty brunette who had the big argument with a man in my cafe. Will you please step out of my oh, way? I'm sorry, lady. Can you spare a minute? No, I have other business. Oh, wait. You remember me. I'll explain what it's about. Let go of my But arm. you've got to listen. It's for your own good. Let go, I said. Hey, look, you've got to tell me some things. Oh. I, uh, I take it you're the great Kunan. Come in, Rocky Jordan. I think you and I have much to talk about. I followed Kunan in his purple robes to the inner room. A high-ceilinged affair, all for effect like the rest of the house, only more so with shades drawn, mummy cases standing near the wall, and dim, hidden lights. He led me to a big mahogany table, bare except for the stone replica of a pyramid in the center. Be seated, Mr. Jordan, across from me. 
Uh, look, I'll make it quick. One moment, please. You wanted me, sir? Yes, Hubert. Mr. Jordan and I are not to be disturbed. Oh, I don't. I'll see to it, sir. Now, Mr. Jordan, I assume that you come to learn of your future. Forget the future. Start by telling me how you knew my name. Names, events, all things are foretold in the Great Pyramid. Oh, then skip it. Something else is more important. Wait, Mr. Jordan. Since ancient times, it has been known that the pyramids, built to geometric perfection, place this world in touch with the sun, the stars, and the infinite. Pyramidology is a science well accepted by my people. Well, they can have it. Ah, you protest. Others were Charles Calford as Sotaglia and Jack Crucian as Mugovan. The program is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis with musical score composed and conducted by Alexander Courage. In tonight's story, Sammy Hill was heard as Claire Scott, Betty Lou Gerson as Janet, Eddie Fields as Mr. Miller, and Bill Boucher as Robert Hill. Bill Anders speaking. Get the true details of Chicago narcotics squad activities to nail elusive dope peddlers. You'll agree it takes nerve plus brains to snap the trap on illegal drug pushers when you've heard the cat and mouse game played by cops against a hook pusher. Remember, it's the case of the unanswered phone on Gangbusters, later tonight on most of these same CBS radio stations. to the tune of 26 million auto radios and listens most to the CBS radio network. one inch wide and one inch long. You can toss them right from the can into a salad or parade them in rows on a cake icing or broil them with meats. Why, right this minute, you ladies can probably think of dozens of ways these handy chunks can help you. Best of all, you can have these tender, bite-sized nuggets of golden fruit just as is, rich and juicy, completely refreshing, with that same full-ripe, tart-sweet flavor you find in all five styles of Del Monte pineapple. Remember, I'm talking about pineapple chunks. Del Monte pineapple chunks. You can buy them all over the West. Ask your grocer tomorrow. And now we take you back to Cairo and tonight's Rocky Jordan story, The Beggar of Farrar. Thank you. 
Well, I left the great Kunan's house with a big education in pyramidology. But his veiled threat told me I'd been right. The death of the man I knew now was Harry Walters. It wasn't any robbery murder by Simon the Beggar. And Kunan knew plenty he hadn't told me. Well, it was night by the time I'd parked my car back at the tambourine and unlocked the door leading into the dark office. The sound inside made me snap the lights on quick. Don't think waiting here was pleasant, Mr. Jordan. You'll find tables out front, Carla. Not for my purpose. What I have to say is to you alone. You weren't so anxious to talk at the great Kunan's house. I suppose seeing you there shouldn't have surprised me so much. It convinced me of what I could not make my uncle believe. That you can trust no one. Why'd you come here, Carla? Not as a customer again, Mr. Jordan. I'm here because of what I learned from the police. That my uncle was killed by a beggar and you allowed the beggar to escape. Where is he? I don't know. I think you do know. Not where Simon is or what your uncle's death was about or how Kunan figures in. Stamps like holds the slit of the metallic embroidered Chinese robe as she glides towards you. I believe, I do believe my guests are enjoying themselves. Mrs. Tyler? Yes, Joyce Tyler, and I'm so deeply glad my butler ushered you in here so you could see for yourself. Aren't you deeply glad? You phoned headquarters. You said you had to... Wait. Look at them. Look at those eastern puppets. Look. My, my, oh, my. Mrs. Tyler. This cocktail party of mine will never be forgotten as long as my guests shall live. Get with it, Mrs. Tyler. On the phone, you said... I know exactly what I said. I said, come to me because a violence will have been committed. Exactly how I said it. What are you talking about? Violence, you must know. Death accomplished by violence. Look, at... What time is it? About 6.30. 6.30. Then he will have done it. He will have killed. Who? Philip. Philip, my husband. Philip, dear. You're not drunk, Mrs. Tyler. You're not... Quite far from it. All my senses very alive. Philip promised... Well, he practically promised. Promised what? That he would murder her. Murder Anne. Murder Anne Martin. Butler will give you Anne's address, where her death should be. A very unattractive death. That is, if you're interested, deeply interested. Then the music stopped. And appreciation was sounded and voiced. The entertainment over, the guests began to mingle. You're invited, too, if you care to stay a while. The girl who brought the puppets came alone. But leave the girl with the puppets to her own devices and Mrs. Tyler to whatever hers were and get out of there. Turn quickly and go. Ride Manhattan now at dusk. Small time of small magic, where the eight-hour day ends and melts into a summer night. Time of going home. Begin to prowl time. Find an address. Brownstone, tenants cataloged in the vestibule. Corridor of yellow paint and brown rug turning to yellow. Yes? Inquiry of lady. She brushes back strand of hair, which falls back to her cheek again when she drops her hand. What is it? A tired face and no makeup. Brown eyes and thin body she hugs to herself. What can I do for you? Miss Ann Martin? That is correct. I'm from the police. You may come in if you like. Thanks. I wasn't sure I'd find you here, Miss Martin. Of course, I have no idea why you're here. You claim you were a policeman and I asked you into my apartment. I ask you a courtesy then. Don't be cryptic. Tell me what it is you want. Well, Mrs. Tyler... Philip's wife? That's right. Well? Well, she said Philip was coming here, that he had been here, that he had murdered you. I needn't have asked you to come in after all. You had only to satisfy yourself when you asked me my name. Mrs. Tyler wasn't drunk when I spoke to her. Why did she tell me what she did? That's a stupid question, isn't it? You're having talked with her and having had a chance at her motives, why do you ask me? Was Mr. Tyler here? Yes, he was. What was he doing here? I know you're not being nasty because I'm not very attractive. And truthfully, I believe I'd be very foolish if a man as much as held my hand... Just tell me what he was doing here. 
He drops in now and then. He's a moody person. We're old friends, and I recognize his moods. He talks, and I listen. He paces, and I watch him. He reminisces, and I help him recall. Do you know his wife, Miss Martin? No. I saw her once, at her wedding years ago. I remember only that she was very beautiful. Is there anything else, Mr. Clover? If you can't think of anything, would you mind very much? Clover. Yes? I don't want to intrude. I don't want to break up anything you might... Oh, it's all right. Uh, What is it? The man outside the desk, I told him my name. He said, just go right in. Walk right in. That's what I did. I, I just walked. What can I do for you? I'm Tyler, Philip Tyler. Have a chair, Mr. Tyler. Uh, thanks very much. No, I've, I've come to apologize. For what? For not killing Ann Martin. You feel all right, Mr. Tyler? It was Joyce. Joyce said, Philip, dear, go and apologize to the man. You've caused him so much unnecessary trouble. You didn't kill. You didn't do anything. You made them a wild goose chase. Apologize. She told me you'd promised her that you'd kill Ann Martin. Why'd she tell you that? You tell me, Mr. Tyler. Makes me out. He tells me that. Oh, uh, well, uh, all our guests dress for dinner. You wouldn't like that. A pound note for the key to Harry Walter's suite. Even the tips are much higher. There's, uh, liable to be an investigation around here about Mr. Walter's death. You wouldn't like that. <clears throat> Please bring the key back, sir. I entered Harry Walter's suite and saw a large book-lined study... It meant that he wasn't a tourist just passing through. A little work got his desk unlocked. A look at his books told me that he'd been a large investor and speculator in Egyptian cotton. That was enough to keep me digging for some more. And I found it in a notebook. Page after page of everything I wanted. Mr. Jordan, what are you doing here? Oh, come in, Carla. I've got something to tell you. Get away from the desk. This gun isn't in my purse now. Oh, you won't need it. You should have tried this desk yourself. But not you, Mr. Jordan. The clerk thought you were with the police, but I know differently. Breaking into my apartment is a serious crime, but the house detective will take care of that. Carla, I think you'd better look in this notebook first. Why should I? See for yourself. You'd like to know. All right, give it to me. I advise you to be careful. Huh? See anything now? A bunch of signs, numerical symbols, screwy calculations, the degree of certain angles... And opposite every degree is a date. I, I don't understand. Oh, it tells. Every date corresponds with some business transaction on the part of your uncle. Whose symbols were they? Pyramidologist. Coon and the Great. Sure. The numbers are the shares of stock your uncle had bought and sold. Coonan, with his hocus pocus, convinced him he could predict the stock market. He couldn't predict anything. Well, well how can we know? I. Well, I'm sorry, but I still don't see Mr. Yeah, uh, look. Look at this last page. Yes. Figures to show your uncle bought $50,000 worth of shares in cotton. Yesterday, the market collapsed. Oh, I see. Harry Walters was the victim of a full-scale swindle. He knew it, didn't he? Oh, I'm sure he did. I tried to get him to tell me. I was trying to in your cafe, and that's what we were arguing yeah, about. Kuna knew your uncle had caught on. Bothers him. Nothing in Latin, which means he feels sorrow for everything and mostly himself. Could he commit murder? I would say this, Danny. That Philip Tyler might make a decision to commit murder. Might pound his fist in his hand and say, yes, I will kill somebody. And believe it. 
I think then that he would lose interest in a few moments. Lose interest? Yeah, I think Mr. Tyler would ask himself, what's the use? And forget about his murder. He would rather be unhappy. Yeah. Anyhow, this is a judgment I make. People, I... Danny Clover. Adler just called in, Danny. He walks the beat, which includes the boat lake in Central Park. What about it? Homicide. Man was found this morning by the caretaker in the bottom of a rowboat. Bottom of... Shot the deck, died death in the back, and dumped. Man's name, Philip Tyler. What? Philip Tyler, Danny. Okay, Gino, thanks. Doctor? What is it, Danny? Philip Tyler is dead. So he finally did it. He finally killed himself. I was about to tell you that he was liable to commit suicide. He was shot in the back. He was murdered. I see. His murderer could have waited, Danny. His murderer killed a dead man. Suddenly you have a lot of work to do, don't you, Danny? Goodbye. Listening to Broadway's My Beat, written by Morton Fine and David Friedkin, and starring Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. Just sit back, relax, and watch the cars roll by. Watch the heavy traffic on the highways in the summertime. Watch the traffic jams and the roadblocks, and the tired, hot drivers sitting behind the wheels of their cars, trying to make time and get somewhere fast. Just help yourself to a nice, refreshing, cool drink. Sit on your chair on the porch, or stoop, or lawn under the shade of a big elm tree, with your radio tuned to some nice, sweet music, or a thrilling whodunit on CBS radio, and watch the summer rush on the roadways. Instead, you are about to witness a ceremony. Yes, a ceremony which I am sure the ancients would appreciate. In just a moment, Rocky Jordan returns to conclude tonight's story. Anytime the conversation turns to good things to eat, folks talk about corn. Tender, delicate corn puddings, crispy corn fritters, or just plain golden whole kernel corn, steaming hot and drenched in butter. And all those favorites can taste just as good as they sound if you buy Del Monte Golden Whole Kernel Corn. That's my brand, Larry. I've found it so sweet and tender, and so dependable, too. Yes, Del Monte corn is remarkably fine, specially grown for very thin-skinned kernels and high natural sugar content. And for you, that means plump, bright, butter-tender kernels crammed with the kind of sweet country flavor you couldn't forget in a month of Sundays. Compare it with any other brand on any count. See if you don't agree that it's a real, honest-to-goodness find. And Del Monte corn is such a good value, too. So that's all the more reason to serve it often. How about tomorrow, then, for a summer corn feast at your house? Ask your grocer for Del Monte vacuum-packed golden whole kernel corn. Back now to Rocky Jordan for the conclusion of tonight's story. Carl and I sat watching as Kunan stepped to a corner safe shaped like a pyramid. Out of it, he took a bunch of ledgers. Still holding the gun carefully, he carried them over and stood before the big open fireplace. 
Well, Miss Walters and Mr. Jordan, I believe these are what you came to find in my house. A lot of records, Kunan? Stock market transactions? Deals you fixed up with Harry Walters? And with others. Those who place their trust in the everlasting pyramids. My predictions have foretold an incredible number of stock successes and disasters. Such as the crash of the cotton market. Oh, how could my uncle have ever believed in you? There are many, Miss Walters, who achieve success but lack philosophy. Thus, uh, they are led to superstition. And right into your swindle. Your phony calculation convinced them they can turn their money over to you, and that's as far as it gets. What gives you the stock market information? (laughs) Calculations, Mr. Jordan, and certain excellent connections. After all, these men place their trust in me, not in their own judgment. You've nothing more to confess, Conan. Then we shall continue. Mm, There were so many believers. Here, the Greek Andros, who dropped a fortune in a shipping venture. We place his records carefully in the fireplace. Rocky! Easy, Carlo, watch me. Now, the story of investments made by a man named Benson, sadly wiped out in a gold mining investment. Ah, yes, more, many more. And in a moment, we will come to one Harry Walters. $50,000 in long staple cotton. When does the big ceremony come, Tunan? At once. The ritual of fire, we shall call it. <laughs> it is interesting what a small match can do to destroy evidence which you and the police would have, as you now see. I held it as Coonan struck the match and turned to hold it to the papers in the fireplace. As the first flame took hold, I grabbed Carla and pushed it below the table. Another move had me to the switch at the wall, cutting the lights. Coonan suddenly dumped the whole book in the fire and swung around with a gun as I dived behind the mummy case. I ducked to another shadow, and the room was dark except for the fire. Gordon, come out, I warn you. Keep shooting, Coonan. Ask your pyramids where I am now. Five shots from Coonan's gun, one to go. I found a pencil in my pocket, tossed it across the room, and he swung toward the sound. That was all, and I came out after him. He fought back, clutching for my throat. I tangled with his purple robes, then my hands found his head. And the second time I slammed it against the stone pyramid, the great Coonan wilted and sunk to the floor. Carla was already at the fireplace, grabbing the book and beating out the flames. Well, I called Sam, and while he was on his way, we found Carla had saved all the papers necessary to tie Kuna to the swindle. Sam and I took Carla to her hotel, and finally we settled down in his office. <clears throat> uh, Jordan, there have been times when you were in error. You did not hesitate to confess. Oh, let it go, Sam. Things looked the way you thought. Kunan will have difficulty in explaining the facts now before me, when he is able. There's his confession to Carl and me that he killed Walters. That should help. As you say. As for the beggar Simon... Oh, go easy, will you? Sure, he was a spotter for Kunan, but something must have forced him into it. He has told me, Jordan. It seems that Kunan gave him an expensive gift and then threatened to tell the police that he had stolen it. He knew nobody would believe a helpless beggar. Simon will soon be at his trade again. A great lesson for us, is it not? How so? The truth is a great democracy, for it comes from the mouths of the poor as often as it comes from the mouths of the rich. (laughs) You know, you're a great philosopher, Sam. Come on, let's have coffee. For 
superb flavor for dependable quality always. Enjoy Del Monte fruits and vegetables. Remember, buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. The brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Rocky Jordan, written by Larry Roman and Gomer Cool from a story by William Frug, stars Jack Moyles in the title role with Jay Novello as Sam Sabaya and is produced and directed by Cliff Howell with original music composed and conducted by Richard Arundt. Remember you have a date next week at the Cafe Tambourine run by Rocky Jordan. Same time, same station. And the story is A Song in the Night. For a bright beginning or a happy ending to any meal, try sparkling, colorful Del Monte fruit cocktail. Five luscious, juicy fruits are mixed in perfect flavor balance, ready to serve. Save time, save work with Del Monte fruit cocktail. Larry Thor speaking. Rocky Jordan is presented over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.